This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Matt Wilson. Thank you for joining us for episode 36 of the Fire Dog Podcast. Before we get going, don't forget to check out our website, firedog.us, where you'll find every episode. And don't forget to follow or like us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Fire Dog Podcast. That is the Fire DAWG Podcast. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Our guests today are founders and leaders of the Rising Warrior, a mental health program designed to provide a holistic approach to healing, growth, and betterment of current military members, veterans, and first responders. They're both veterans of the Army who went through their own personal struggles with mental health and, as a result, decided to design and deliver practical solutions to mental healing. What they offer can both bridge the gap in healing journey and provide tools necessary for participants to help themselves and others. It is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Lance Davis and Sean Lazio. Thank you, gentlemen, for for joining me on the podcast. Um, uh, I look forward to digging into the mental health topic and, and what you guys do to kind of improve the well-being for ex-military members, um, first responders, many others, whoever whoever could use the help. I look forward to digging into that a little bit. But before we get into the specifics of everything, can each of you briefly introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my name is Sean. I joined uh, the Army back in 2008, straight out of high school, uh, Cav Scout, 19 Delta, uh, stationed with the 101st, uh, did deployment to Afghanistan from 2010 to 2011. And then <clears throat> as I transitioned out of the military, uh, it was a very bumpy road. Uh, went from Fort Campbell to four months later, I was going right into school. So there's a local college in, in a town that my parents moved to. And then within a year of that, <clears throat> I came across this opportunity to take over a CrossFit gym. So it 2013 after going to school for about a year uh went that route and started running this business started coaching and then that really led me down this rabbit hole of personal development and growth and healing and uh you know i was doing that mostly on my own and that was because you know when i was getting out of the military unfortunately the the advice that i got from my leadership was uh the first year is the hardest and uh stay clear of the va that's pretty much all they they told to me and I didn't quite understand why, uh, although I did have one one run in with the VA where I was definitely having some trouble sleeping. And when I went in, they didn't really ask me too many questions. They're just like, okay, cool, you're having trouble sleeping, take this pill. And when I was looking at it, it was an antidepressant. And I was like, I, I know enough about this to not want to go down that rabbit hole. So I started looking for other means of of trying to solve that problem, for instance. And then, you know, as it goes, all the other stuff started coming up. So. I uh, was running the CrossFit gym, going to school, uh, ended up getting my bachelor's in philosophy. So I uh, took quite quite a different route. And then uh, 2014 to 2016, I also uh, ended up going back into the active reserves out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. I uh, did that for a couple of years until it was pretty clear that like, okay, my, my time here is done. And you know, it was time for me to move on and, and to really commit into the business. And then as I started doing that, meeting other like-minded veterans and uh, also some people in the first responder field who, you know, were traveling some of these paths. And from 2018 on, it's when I really started diving heavily into more of like the mental health aspect, uh, mental training, cognitive fitness, as, as we like to call it. And then also started diving into a lot of emotional work, 
right? Already had the background from fitness. So started hitting on some of the other areas. And uh, yeah, that's what led me to where I'm at today. So just sold my CrossFit gym uh, February of, of this year. And going all in on the <clears throat> on the uh, online coaching, guiding, mentoring, as I like to call it, and really speaking up in terms of you know the mental health conversation because it's it's had such a huge impact in my life dealing with depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts at times, and uh, all the stuff that we are constantly hearing about today. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's where I'm at today. So and, it sounded yeah. like there was a gap just that that you felt like you needed to fill. And so that's why you kind of pursue. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Oh, yeah. It's recognizing that there are yeah areas, especially when it comes to mental health, that, you know, Lance and I, having worked with veterans, uh, especially over this last year, and I know Lance has done it for a little bit longer. um, Yeah, just noticing that there are gaps and that there are many uh, treatment methods that seem to be falling short. Right. We have, you know, within the first responder and veteran community, some of the highest divorce rates, suicide rates, homelessness and, you know, seeing that and recognizing like, okay, like this is not okay. So, you know, really seeing the opportunity to to step in and and be of support in that way for sure. Gotcha. Lance, how about you? A little bit about yourself. and Yeah. My name is Lance. I spent five years in the Army infantry um, stationed out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, Sean and I must have just crossed paths at the last minute. Kind of weird how that works. Um, so I got out in 2009. Um, and when I got out, I had the mentality of, you know, <clears throat> the alpha male. Nothing was wrong with me. I was all good. Um, fast forward a few years, I was going through school, um, becoming a chiropractor. And one of my friends in school said, hey, you need to get your disability reassessed. Like I had 10% at the time. He's like, with all the shit you've done, you, you need to get your disability reassessed and, you know, um, get that taken care of. So that led me down the path of going through the VA. And while I was doing that, somebody said, hey, <clears throat> you, need to get re- you need to get reassessed or assessed for PTSD. And again, I'll remind you that at that point, there was nothing wrong with me. Like I was good. Um, so I went in to a psychologist or psychiatrist I don't remember and the the guy asked me a bunch of questions and I walked out I was like oh god maybe I do have PTSD and that's when everything I'd like to say is unraveled um <clears throat> and I didn't know where to go at the time so I went th- through the neb- uh, the regular or typical route of going through the VA so I went to the VA and real quickly I was like you guys aren't helping me at all um, I felt like the people weren't listening to me and all they wanted to do is shove stuff on me and get me out the door as quick as possible. So I realized that the VA wasn't going to help me. I had to help myself. So this led me down the rabbit holes of everything, um, fitness, nutrition, um, head injuries, just everything related to um, veterans and mental health. And like I, Sean said, we like to call it cognitive fitness. Um, so at that point, a few years into that, I got a, what I would call a really good hold on my mental acuity and cognitive fitness. And I said, Hey, I'm going to try to help other veterans. So I started working one-on-one with veterans and we were getting good results. And I was like, this is great, but there's way too many veterans out there to work one-on-one. So I started working in groups and, um, 
<clears throat> things, uh, the rest is history, kind of. Um, started working with groups, ran into Sean, um, started running into first responders, and I realized that a lot of the stuff we do for veterans also correlates to first responders and leads me to where I am today. Yeah, it's awesome. So we connected through, well, actually, Ms. Brian Weeks, he participated in your program, The Rising Warrior, and we had him on episode 30, him and Andrew Oles. They're Wright Patterson uh, Air Force Base firefighters, and they run the peer support program, IAFF peer support program, which is very similar. Well, I don't know exactly which program is, and we're going to get into that, but it sounds very similar in that it's kind of the it's what it it's what it says it's it's the peer kind of reaching out to you uh you know person to person tell me what's going on and and they act as a bridge to kind of official um official resources or or whatever they may need they may just need to talk so anyways brian reached out to me and said hey i i joined or i participated in this program i think it'd be an awesome fit for the podcast i think that some listeners would would benefit from um from hearing what these guys have to say and potentially participating in uh, in their program and so that's just a little bit of background of how we connected here. So obviously it's an, a mental health focus. So, but can you explain a little bit more in depth of what exactly you guys are doing? John, you're good at this part. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, Lance and I have a dynamic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, we recognized fairly early on that there was, there was gaps in – especially the mental health uh, field when it comes to veterans. And then like Lance was saying, like connecting with more first responders, you know, especially over this last year and meeting Brian. And so what we're trying to do with the program is, you know, most importantly is, is provide participants with the tools to be able to handle anything that life throws at them. You know, we understand that being in the military and or first responders or in those worlds that, you know, we're going to be faced with a lot of, you know, very difficult circumstances and a lot of, you know, very impactful situations, you know, this could include life or death. Um, and <clears throat> understanding the nature of the job and the toll that it can take, right, you know, from our own experience and, and what we saw in the military and getting out and then talking to more people who are either in it or have also transitioned out. And so, yeah, providing them with some very basic tools to not only handle the situations at work, but what we've also realized, like I mentioned earlier, right? Something like divorce rates are super high amongst those, those populations. So, you know, as a byproduct of what we're teaching, we're also improving communication. We're uh, giving people the tools to be able to connect with one another. That is something that we've for sure seen in the veteran world where, you know, other veterans have problems or have struggles connecting with people who aren't veterans, for instance. And so providing them with, with tools and context and uh, some basic frameworks, which, you know, from our experience and working with them over the last six to eight months in particular, you know, really understanding that a lot of this stuff is being talked about through, through the other uh, avenues, whether that's the VA or any other, you know, approved means. And there's there seems to be this gap where things aren't landing they're not connecting and uh it sounds as if they're people are not being provided with context as to why this stuff is important right like you know lance said something earlier about you know being the alpha male for instance and so if someone has this mindset of being an alpha male and you're telling them to or you're teaching them how to breathe 
and it's like, cool, why am I doing this? Right. Like not understanding the impact that something as simple as, as fixing your breathing mechanics, like the impact that it has on your day to day living. And so it, along those lines as well as we're, we're looking to get more to the root of, of some issues. And instead of it just treating the symptoms of what we're experiencing on the surface, it's like we're, we're peeling back a couple more layers as to why this stuff is happening. And, you know, through that lens, giving uh, participants a legitimate opportunity to be able to, let's say, work through some some tough uh, traumatic events or um, through some of the, just the daily struggles in their life. And <clears throat> at the same time, like not only are the tools helping us or helping them do that, it's also helping them get the most out of their day to day uh, life. You know, one of our uh, one of our slogans is, you know, taking veterans and first responders from surviving to thriving. And so being able to show up uh, on a day to day basis and to show up for work, to show up for your family to show up for your friends, to show up for yourself. Um, you know, I would say that's the other big thing is that we are we're teaching people how to really be with themselves and how to navigate this world, especially, you know, within these, within this context, right. Being a first responder, being a veteran, even active duty military, we've worked with them as well. And so helping them really navigate the world, especially understanding that the, 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 the impact of being a, verse, a first responder or being a, a veteran, like understanding that there is quite an impact that that has on them. And, no one, you know, to our experience and to our knowledge, like no one was really giving them, you know, the context or the tools of how to really be with it, you know, because it does, it, it is asking a lot of us to, to step up into those roles. So yeah, first and foremost, providing them with the tools to be able to do so. And then, you know, as a byproduct, as we saw with Brian, who went through our program to learn, to learn more about uh, the tools to bring back to his peer support team, for instance, mm -hmm. and then quickly recognizing like, Oh, wait a minute. Like these tools not only help us in the peer support, it also is helping myself, mm -hmm. right? Like he, like he got to learn that like, cool, in order to best show up for my team, I also have to do some work on myself. And so taking the time to do some introspection and to start with himself. So that way he can better show up for his family, better show up for his team, better show up for his department. And then what we're seeing now as a, as, as a result of that is, you know, he's, he's taking a lot of the really simple things such as uh, some simple breathing mechanics and recognizing that within his own team, when someone comes, you know, if someone comes to him and, and they need support, he now has the tools to be like, cool, like, you know what, like, let's go for a walk. Let's, let's take some time to chat, getting him to practice something as simple as like, Hey, let's take some uh, five deep belly breaths just to get him to, to calm down, to downregulate. And something that simple is having such uh, impact on these people because, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't sound as if people are helping uh, helping these populations connect those dots. You know, why is it important to breathe? Like, what is really going on here? So, um, yeah, Lance, is there anything that you want to add to that? Yeah, two things come to mind. <clears throat> I like... I like teaching the aspect of understanding your anatomy and physiology and how that responds to a stress response and being able to recognize that and being able to deal with it and counteract it. And that's what Sean was saying with the breath. <clears throat> the breath is very powerful and it's able to, um, if dealt with properly, able to regulate our nervous system. Um, if we're freaking out, if you notice somebody's freaking out, in a sympathetic state, upregulated state, they're breathing really fast, they're breathing really heavy, and they're breathing really a lot into their chest. And if you watch people, 
most people on a daily basis are breathing like that normally. And if you correlate those two, most people are living in an upregulated state. Um, and this isn't just the veterans and first responder community. This is a lot of people. Um, so teaching that, not just saying, hey, go take five deep belly breaths, actually teaching and help, helping people understand why this is helpful. Um, so there's that. And what another thing that Sean brought up, kind of a switching topic, um, what I've really liked with Brian is uh, within a few weeks, um, maybe four to eight weeks, um, his wife and his kids were already noticing change. Like he was breathing slower. He wasn't flying off the handle on the little stuff. So um, that was really encouraging. And it's really great seeing uh, this stuff not just affecting his work life, but it's also affecting his family life. Well, it sounds all sounds very practical to me. These are practical life skills. Am I Keep right? Simple, correct. Yeah. And really, the, the the practical stuff is what's going to work probably most effectively, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. the that's the first place you want to start before maybe medication. And of course, I'm not a doctor, and so, but that's just me intuitively thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you guys are starting off now. I, I, so it's a program, correct? What you guys, the Rising Warrior is a program. Um, and do you, like peer support, uh, connect to, to other professional resources? Or is this, uh, it, it's kind of a, a program that just you guys exclusively run? As of right now, yes. It's uh, all, all inclusive. It's inclusive with just us. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And, and I, I will add at the same time, like we are collaborating with people in their respective fields as well so a lot of our mentors a lot of the programs that we've been through uh they they're at our disposal in terms of support and like they're fully supporting you know our mission to take that type of work that we got to learn through these other avenues and to bring it specifically to veterans and first responders for instance so yeah at the moment we are you know as as we're continuing to grow like yeah it, it is us running most of it most of the show in terms of you know the coaching guiding mentoring and then you know we reach out for support if we need it and you know to speak into what the future holds uh yeah we we fully plan on this being uh, an umbrella where we're going, going to be able to have everything under the sun to include fitness, nutrition, the cognitive fitness stuff that, that we love speaking into and to have the resources for veterans and first responders and, and even active duty to be able to come and learn this stuff for themselves to, to, to be a resource, I, I would say, is the biggest thing that we're looking to be, um, you know, especially moving forward. Well, let's, let's talk about the program, I guess, more specifically, if we can. Um, mm-hmm. So you talked a lot about communication tools. Well, first of all, how long is it? Or is it, is it kind of, does it vary depending on the class or person? As of right now, it's 12 weeks. And yeah, okay. we're willing to, you know, lengthen it as needed. We're here to support and be of service to the community. So if we need to go longer and go more into depth with stuff, we're right, right, right. more than willing to do that. So 12 weeks. 12 weeks in person or virtual or both combination virtual so the way it's set up right now is um once a week we we present a concept topic idea thinking point uh and then we go more into depth about that and talk about that um and like what what we like to say is we support you people need support here or there and we support them on the call 
Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, so again, the, some of the more specifics are in, a little bit of depth into the program and really the tools that you talk about. I mean, what what in particular, I guess give some examples. I mean, you did talk a lot about breathing, uh, providing context to to things and communication tools. What uh, I don't know if you'd be able to speak any of that, any of that more specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like Lance was saying, we got 12 weeks of, of content and, you know, it starts off with some breathing, uh, breathing mechanics, you know, conversations around breathing and then what we call belief work. So, you know, starting to have the conversation around like people's beliefs and how that's affecting them, you know, so something as simple as, you know, understanding that the thoughts that we have, the words that we use are going to influence the way that we feel. And then the way that we feel is going to turn around and then influence the thoughts that we have. So introducing this concept of like, you know, can we change our beliefs? And, you know, the answer is wholeheartedly yes. However, most people, as they get into this, that's, it's not something that they're, that they're used to, you know, accepting, right. And this is why we hear like, well, this is just the way life is. And like, we take, we, we, we don't like that. That that is uh, that is against against the grain in this sense, and so yeah. So in the beginning, it's a lot of breath work uh, or just breathing mechanics, the physiological responses that are happening, talking about our beliefs, and then we transition into a lot of language stuff. And so <clears throat> through the language, like I just mentioned, uh, you know, the thoughts that we have, the words that we use, you know, it's going to affect us. And so you know, distinguishing between um, what we call archetype language versus conflict language. And so it's, it's as, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Archetype language is going to be the language that helps us create and is going to best serve us. Whereas conflict language is going to create more of that conflict. So understanding that we're having that type of influence on our day-to-day life and something as simple as language, right? This is something that everybody learns at first it's, you learn how to breathe. And then once you learn how to breathe and you're starting to navigate the world, then you start to learn language. And so the two go hand in hand. So that's going to be the first, the first part of the, uh, of the course. And then along those lines, we're giving them like journal prompts, um, you know, helping them, uh, like helping provide context as to like the benefits of journaling, for instance, which is, you know, for a lot of people in this space, like you talk about journaling and they go like, what do you mean journaling? Like middle school, yeah, dear diary. Um, and it's not that like a, a journal is anything that you can write down your thoughts or thoughts on. And there's so many different techniques that, can, that you can use. One of them being what we call a journal dump, for instance, where it's, you know, for someone who, uh, let's say experiences a lot of anxiety, getting them to just dump their thoughts out onto paper instead of letting it mull up in their head. All of a sudden you can now create space to now focus on your breathing, right? Now you're not so overwhelmed. Um, so there's like journal dumps. We have what's called the dinner party. So we're talking about the different aspects of the self and, and the voices that are being contributed to that. Um, and then as we move forward, uh, we talk about uh, one of our favorite books and, and uh, information from nonviolent communication. So, you know, through the lens now, now that we are more consciously aware of the words that we're using, then it becomes like, cool, how can I better communicate this with other people? And this is like, for me personally, where I really have a lot of passion is, is gaining accuracy in any given moment, because a lot of the issues that we find, whether that's from, you know, within the family, coworkers, bosses, um, working with patients or anything like that, is that if we're not on the same page, we're going to be trying, like, we think we're, we're talking about the same thing, but if the two individuals are not seeing it the same, then there's going to be a lack of clarity within that communication. And so 
helping individuals gain clarity on what exactly is going on. So that way, you know, if you're talking to someone and they try to, let's say we use what's called projections. So they're experiencing something and they want to project it onto somebody else. Like, oh, well, this person made me feel this way. And so it's like when you can gain context of like, oh, wait a minute, this person is feeling something. And it's typically going to be like mad, sad, angry, fearful, for instance. And so instead of now arguing, which is what we would typically see in a, in a situation like that, it's like, well, I didn't make you feel that way. Like that wasn't my intention. And so we can mitigate a lot of that by by identifying what's actually going on. And so we give them the tools to be able to do that. Um, and like I said, Nonviolent Communication, it's a great book, highly recommended. And um, so we go a little bit into that. And then as we progress through the course, um, towards the end, we start talking a little bit about uh, our emotions and our feelings, which I know is a very uh, <laughs> touchy subject, um, you know, within these groups, you know, especially as men where, you know, I, I know for, or in my experience growing up, for instance, you know, we're taught as men, like, oh, real men don't cry, like little things like that. And this is the stuff that, that carries with us um, throughout our lives. And so like really helping provide context about what's going on and like letting, you know, letting individuals know that whatever you're feeling is perfectly valid and you actually need to feel it. You know, the more we try to suppress this stuff, you know, that's where a lot of these problems are coming from. And so we start to dive into that a little bit more. And then we do, uh, towards the end as well is what we call story work. And so identifying the stories that people have, this is, you know, could also be related to their beliefs. And so helping them see that the story that they're holding is affecting their lives in, in ways that they may not even know. And so this often looks like writing it down first, and then we actually have them uh, like read it, for instance. And then we as you know, the guides and the mentors who have been doing this work for a little bit longer, like what we really support in, in that is not only creating a space for them to, let's say, work through any emotions that might come up in that. And so like as an example, if someone experienced uh, a traumatic event while in service, and something that's weighing heavily on them, like that could bring up a lot of sadness, you know, crying or anger, um, you know, stuff like that. And so like creating a space for them to be able to feel that, because like I said, that's one of the most important things. And then also helping them to be able to translate stuff that they might be saying within that story. Right. And so we can look at that again as like, we're gaining more accuracy. We're gaining more clarity on what's going on here instead of staying stuck in these looping stories. So that's, that's what we start to get to in, uh, towards the end there. And then along with that as well, we teach uh, a very specific style of goal setting. So like really helping people, you know, look forward to the future. Um, we like to shift the dynamic from, you know, constantly talking about our, uh, all the negatives as we would say in our lives to like shifting to like, cool, like, yeah, th these things are happening. And what about where you're crushing it in life? Like, where are you winning in life? And bringing that to the surface because like we understand this connection of whatever I focus on, I'm going to continue to bring more of that into my life. So if I'm constantly thinking about all these like horrible, terrible things or I'm constantly downplaying myself or berating myself, well, no wonder that's what you're experiencing if that's all you if that's all you're talking about. And so shifting a focus to even that, which, you know, from the outside looking in sounds really simple. It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. What do you mean? That's that's what you're doing. It's like, yeah, you, like you it, are, it can you be are what you focus your attention on. Mm -hmm. Yes, like one of those sto stoicism philosophies or yep. one of those guiding principles of stoicism. Con yeah. Consciously and subconsciously. Yeah. It, yeah, Lance, actually, that's a great thing that you bring up. Uh, yeah, a lot of the work that we're doing is we're trying to bring a lot of the subconscious and unconscious into the, into the conscious realm. 
And that's where a lot of this uh, work can seem confusing at first. And, and a lot of the stuff that we see that we see as very simple can have such an impact because we are getting, like I mentioned earlier on, on uh, when I was chatting is that we're, we're peeling a few layers back because if we're just simply looking at the symptoms, the surface level stuff, like we already know the results that's going to get us because that's, what's been going on the majority of, 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 I don't know, since, since this has been a thing in, in mental health, for instance. And so if we can peel back some of those layers and get to more of some of these root causes, that's when we're starting to see the lasting effects. And this is why, you know, over the course of six to eight weeks, people's families can notice a difference because like, Oh, we're not just suppressing the the symptom here. Like we actually got to the root here, so that that is one of the biggest things that we are doing. And the cool thing is, like we don't have to like let people know that. Like we don't have to be like, oh, we're going to peel back some layers. Like it's going to happen by proxy. So that that's that is one of the really fun parts, in my opinion, of of getting to experience this. You create a safe space. Safe space is what it Correct. sounds like to me, and you know that's a kind of a buzzword that has a negative connotation, but it's a it's an important thing, you know, to mm-hmm. to show vulnerability within a group, and that'll allow you to peel back those layers, get to the root cause. Uh, but it, it sounds like you you progress towards something like that. Yep. To me. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned journaling too. Uh, there's a lot of value in writing things down. Just again, I'm not medically trained. I'm just a firefighter in the military, and uh, but uh, you know, I, I do it myself. When you write things down, there's a lot of value. Um, and, and getting your thoughts down on paper and kind of brain dumping it. And uh, I remember reading somewhere that Abraham Lincoln would write letters to people who he was, who he was upset with or mad at instead of going and engaging in a conversation. You know, it's just a good technique, and it's, you know, as old as time. It's a, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, yeah, including that kind of practical technique into mental health treatment seems, uh, it, it makes sense to me to do something like that. Um, any, anything else? Sean or Lance on that? What I like about journaling is, like Sean already mentioned stories. We got these stories running around our head, whether they're true, false, you know, most of the time they're false. And if we keep thinking those stories, they're just going to keep ruminating and brewing on our head. Writing them down brings the story from here and it gives us space. It creates a space for us to actually look at the story and see what is actually legitimately going on. Um, And then we're able to write it down, and we teach a, we call it down-regulated journaling. We take the story that's just running through our life that has us upregulated, regulated, and in a sympathetic state. When you write it down, it it creates that space, and then you're able to observe, like, how you're reacting to it. Are you breathing really fast and heavy in it? Well, you're probably upregulating. You're probably living in that sympathetic state. Uh, and then we go through the steps to downregulate that story in our head. And the first step is, hey, grab your journal. They're absolutely, they're not priceless, but they're absolutely priceless. They're, they're like $12. Yeah, go, go to Walmart, pick up a journal. They're absolutely priceless. Start writing the stories down. Um, it's like you said Open before. Open your iPhone and type in notes. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Lowest hanging fruit. Keeping it simple. Yeah, I got got mine right here. Yeah, the yeah, the mil- yeah, for those, yeah. For those of you that are in the military, like they give you that stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like they, hand, they hand you all kind of crap. So yeah, yeah. use it. Um, yeah, there was uh, two things that came up. This want to touch upon real quick from what you said, Matt. Uh, number one, 
uh, one of my mentors and someone that I looked up to f- uh, for quite a while, Dr. Perry Nicholson. Uh, he has this page called Stop Chasing Pain. And one of the most important things that I learned from him as I was going down, uh, like I specifically sought him out for some like lower back issues I was having. Um, and he's a chiropractor by trade and then ended up, uh, uh, moving more into like the functional medicine space. And so he had mentioned something to me that really hit home. And that's, you know, we're talking about when you said, you know, creating a safe space and he said, the body cannot adapt and or create significant change unless the nervous system will allow it to. And so if we're constantly upregulated and we're constantly following poor breathing patterns, for instance, or we're looping in stories that are causing us to be in this upregulated state, you're not going to see any significant amount of growth or change. And right. So something that I imagine you're always in survival mode. Exactly. And if you're in survival mode, like your body cannot function at its highest, it cannot function the way that it was meant to do. And so, yeah. you know, just we worry can look- about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. And if you want to look at other animals, right, in, in the kingdom, it's like they can flip the switch in an instant to like, I need to get the hell out of here or I need to fight for my life. Right. And then 20 minutes later, they're chilling in a tree. Right. And they're completely relaxed. And that's something that we as humans really struggle to do. And because of what Lance said, right, like we have these stories where, yeah, like that right there is evidence enough. If someone wants to, you know, recall a memory from the past or a story from the past and notice how like how uh, emotional it can get. Right. Whether that's mad, sad, angry, happy, excited, it doesn't matter. Like we can tap into these to these memories and and invoke the same physiological response. And so it's through that lens. It's like, oh, of course, this makes sense now. Like if I'm looping in these stories and this is what's running behind the scenes and I just don't know it. No wonder I'm stuck in the same positions I am in life. No wonder I can't you know, find a partner. No wonder I can't get promoted at work or whatever the case may be. Right. Like those are some of those those connections that we like to uh, help people bring. And then the other point was, you know, you'd mentioned you're like, well, I'm not a doctor. Um, something that that we're big fans of is experiential based um, methods. And so it's things that we have experienced ourselves and have Sometimes seen results that's from. Sometimes that's just as valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and that yeah. was another. You're, you're, you're your own little case study. In the people exactly. And, yeah. and it's important to, to recognize that everybody's different. You know, as much as we want to throw a, an, an umbrella over anything and be like, oh, well, this works for everybody. Like, that's that's not the case. And so this is something else I learned from Dr. Perry where, you know, that's what he did because he was failed by, uh, by the conventional systems. Mm -hmm. And so he took matters into his own hands, started meeting people who were talking about a lot of similar things. Maybe they didn't have, you know, the, the piece of paper to go along with the knowledge. And so what he quickly found was, you know what, I'm willing to take a chance as someone who's not a quote unquote expert in the field and, you know, taking that chance in terms of like, I'm going to bring this stuff to my patients. I'm going to give them these things, right? If someone's coming in for lower back pain and all of a sudden he's talking about journaling or like, Hey, like, let's actually talk about your, let's talk about some stuff in your past. Like what kind of stuff are you really, really holding on to? And so through trying that and all of a sudden people's back pain goes away. Well, I don't need a piece of paper to show me that this worked. Like I see it in real time. Right. And so, you know, the practice at that point becomes, how do I do this consciously? How do I do this, you know, through a lens of making sure that I I do have the best for my, you know, patients or members or uh, participants, like making sure I have their best interests in mind. And, you know, that's like something that Lance and I have done is like, we've gone down a lot of these rabbit holes on our own because the conventional ways just weren't working. Mm -hmm. And so we bring 
you know, a lot of what we bring, if not most, is our own experience because we've done it ourselves. And like, I would never teach somebody anything. I would never guide anybody to do anything uh, that was something that I haven't done myself already. So that that does carry a lot of weight, and people discredit that. And I th- I think it is just as important, right? And it, it becomes a practice of like being able to find those people and, and you know develop trust in them as well. So yeah, those yeah, those are the two things that came up. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And it, as you were talking, I thought about fitness, and I don't need to be a doctor or a a fitness trainer to know that fitness is good for me because I can feel it for myself that it's good, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And and when I don't engage in some type of physical fitness. I, I can notice a difference, you know, when I wake up in the morning um, and throughout the day as opposed to, you know, regularly working out. So that's yeah, a great point that you bring up, you know. You don't have to be a uh, professional with this stuff. You know, you know what works a lot of times. So you mentioned a few times I'm not a doctor. Well, not to tip my own hat, I am a doctor. Um, and many patients that I'm – I'm a chiropractor, so many patients that come in my clinic and I treat them for back pain – um, society and the medical system has taught them to not believe themselves. I don't know how many times patients come in and say, well, hey, it feels better when I walk. What should I do? You should go for a walk. <laughs> like, oh, it feels better when I stretch. Oh, it feels better when I strengthen something. You should do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I... Yeah, it's pretty simple a lot of times, right? Most of it is simple. Yeah. Um, you don't need to be a, a brain scientist. You do not need to be a doctor. <laughs> um, we've been taught not to listen to ourselves and not to trust ourselves right. so many times. So yeah, well, I encourage most people. Right? Yeah, you want to you lean on people that, uh, that study that stuff for a living. But, but yeah, right. that's absolutely true. Have, have either of you heard of Jonathan Haidt by chance? No. Uh, he's an author. He wrote The Coddling of the American Mind and uh, mm. uh, Happiness Hypothesis. I've heard of you. I have heard of ha- those, yeah. Ha- I-, I-, I think that you guys would really dig Happiness Hypothesis. A very scientific um, explanation of basically how where happiness comes from. And, um, hmm. you know, he talks a lot about the, the brain chemicals and, and all of that. But he talked a lot about cognitive behavioral therapy. Um and again, I'm, I'm no expert on any of this stuff, but a lot of what you're saying sounds like it's in the cognitive behavioral therapy realm. Has that ever been mentioned to you guys? Yes. Um, I've done a little bit of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And the one thing that I noticed that it lacks, it doesn't tie in the, the emotions and the feelings. Okay. Um, and that is, the, for my opinion, that is the biggest thing it's lacking. Gotcha. And that's why it never worked for me. Okay. Yep. C- could you explain cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy? If I remember correctly, um, it's recognizing a lot of what your stories are and how you behave uh, in accordance with those stories. Like maybe your dad, um, well, you're growing up, said you're not a smart kid or something. So you keep reliving that story while recognizing that story changing that narrative and that story and then fulfilling it. Um, and there's always going to be an emotional, um, aspect to every belief. Okay. Okay. Um, CBT from the little bit I've experienced does not address that aspect. Right. 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 Yes. Standalone at least. Um, it, it does work great, you know, in conjunction, like Lance was saying with the emotional work and, um, yeah, it you know to that point as well. What we've noticed, 
especially working with people, but also just from my own experience, is that most people are operating uh, the majority from their mind. And so, you know, CBT or the, the cognitive stuff definitely resonates with most people because they're so used to being in their heads. They're so used to trying to figure it out. They're so used to following logic. And so it resonates it's like, oh, I can do this thinking thing again. Right. And thinking will only get you so far. And I think that is a huge, uh, a huge shift on a, on a very uh, mass scale that is occurring right now is that we are starting to understand that like, okay, like our mind is a super powerful tool and it can help us accomplish so many things. And at the same time, it's just a piece of the puzzle. And so a lot of the things that we are recognizing are starting to see now can definitely be tied to more of the, the uh, emotional and feeling sense. And so like, I know we recommended a book for you called um, The Body Keeps the Score. And so like, that's another example of, of uh, like how the emotional aspect is, is tying into that as well. Because like, if we're storing this stuff in our body and like, I've had experience with this myself, like I've had pain literally go away as I've done emotional work. Like I had a pain in my shoulder for four years and after a really bad breakup, for instance, and, and receiving support in that and like working through it, all of a sudden I noticed like a couple months down the road, I was like, oh wow, like I have no pain in my shoulder. Like this is insane. And I haven't had that pain since. And so, yeah, like the, the cognitive side of things, like we as human beings, like, yeah, we're going to gravitate towards that because it's how we operate. That's that, that is a huge thing that makes us different than any other animal, at least to our knowledge. And so, yeah, it has gotten us very far and, and we're seeing that we're at a point now where it's like, okay, it, it got us about as far as it's going to get us. We, there's other things going on here. And so, you know, a tie or attaching that to the emotional work, especially is, is super powerful because like we can use, the cognitive side of things to connect with the emotional side of things and then vice versa. So yeah, it, it's, it is, it can be very impactful and very life-changing and it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you, you mentioned a book. Um, I wanted to talk about those books a little bit because they seem to have had a big influence on a lot of what you guys are doing. Um, so I don't know if you think it's worth uh, discussing them. I guess I do, considering we talked about them when we talked on the phone. But uh, The Body Keeps a Score was one, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and the Untethered Soul. I don't know if uh, you guys want to mention any of those or all of them. Yeah. I, I like, um, I'll talk about The Body Keeps a Score. It's written by a psychologist, Bessel van der Kolk. Um, started doing this research in the 60s and 70s with Vietnam veterans. Um, and it's the concept that, yes, the body keeps the score. We keep these traumas, these emotions, these feelings in our body. Um, and he started recognizing that when dealing with this um, and addressing this, more of these um, quote-unquote problems were able to clear up. Instead of just, oh, I got a tightness in my chest, here's a antidepressant, anti-anxiety. Um, Addressing the psychology and the physiology together. So addressing the whole body as a whole system. Our emotional and our cognitive fitness needs to be addressed all together. We can't just say, oh, you're having negative thoughts. We'll, we'll talk about your thoughts. Well, they present themselves in the body. The other two books, The Untethered Soul and uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, so huge, huge, huge impact of, on me and my journey and, and, you know, my experience over these last few years. And so, uh, the untethered soul, you know, in particular, uh, 
Michael Singer, who's the writer of that, wrote it while he was in jail. And he actually has a memoir called uh, The Surrender Experiment. And, you know, as as he tells the story in The Surrender Experiment, like he lived his life, I think it was for 20, 20 straight years, he surrendered to whatever life threw his way. And so he basically was saying, like, if an opportunity presented itself, he was saying yes, instead of like trying to filter in, like, do I really want to do this? What about this? What about that? Like what he was experimenting with was life is clearly throwing people and things my way for a reason. And so I led him down this journey. Uh, he had, I think he was actually the, the founder of WebMD. And so he, he actually went on this, this journey where he just, all he wanted to do was meditate. Like he had this like transcendental experience and all he wanted to do was meditate. And like this message was super clear in terms of, um, surrender to the flow of the universe is, is how he would say it. And so it led him down this journey of, of everything. And so he was, uh, the founder of, I believe WebMD, and he ended up going to jail because part of, uh, like, as this company grew into this million dollar you know business, People were doing some really shady things behind the scenes, and he he was like the front man and got basically shafted from that. And so he got put in jail, and this is where he wrote The Untethered Soul, right? Because he just had this entire experience where he's learning about life and like watching it unfold, and then all of a sudden he ends up in jail. He's like, I this makes no sense. And so what he came to was this idea of like recognizing that there's a voice inside our heads. And so he started to question like, what is this voice? Where does it come from? What, what is the point? And so through the untethered soul, he gives context to that voice in your head and helps people understand like this voice is talking and here's different ways in which you can listen or like, here's ways in which you can actually listen to gain clarity about what's actually going on here. And so it was a very, it came to me at a very uh, pivotal moment in my life where like I was such a heady person that like, it's just stuck in all these loops. And now that I started to understand like, okay, there's a, there is this voice in my head and it is coming from a certain aspect of myself. I can now better be with it and I can now better uh, sift through what's actually going on here. Right? Like, am I scared? Am I happy? Am I excited? Like understanding how that all influences. And so it brought a lot of peace uh, at a time where it was very tumultuous, especially in, in the thought thought column. And, you know, through that, that's, that's what led me, you know, continue down this path. And then the other book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, I would say has been the most impactful book in, in my entire reading, like ever. Like it, it hit me in such a way that uh, when I, I tried reading it first and I got about 45 to 60 pages into it. And this was, I was at a pretty rough point in my life and I was like, man, this sounds great, but I'm just not in a place for it. And so when I came back to it, I, I got it on audiobook. I ended up listening to it almost eight times over the course of a month because like I would listen to it on my drive to work and my drive back and like pretty much everything in between. I don't think I even listened to music at all. And it's like, it, it was landing in such a way because like I was still stuck in some patterns. I was like, man, like I'm recognizing these patterns that I'm seeing in my life. People are showing up a certain way. I'm feeling a certain way. Like situations were just continue to unfold in the ways that were predictable. And I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I can't keep doing this. And so, you know, through the lens of this book and it's written by Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I believe also started as a chiropractor by trade. And then uh, he had experience of his own where he was a, a pretty good triathlete and got into this massive bike accident where he was hit by a car. And the doctors basically said, like, they had to take him to the hospital. He had already broken his spine. And they're like, we need an answer within the next 24 hours because every hour that ticks by, like, your chances of walking again, like, are dropping significantly. 
and like being a chiropractor like he understood the implications of what surgery meant uh and he also had this different lens of like i understand how the body can actually heal itself and so he actually ended up going against the doctor's um suggestions and they basically told him like look if you don't do the surgery like you have about a zero percent chance of walking again and so less than i think it was four months um after this uh after the incident he was up on his feet walking again and he did this from home like he had uh he had his parents i think check him out and uh he was able to be in bed rest at home and so he had people coming over and doing different techniques uh different like massage techniques and then like even what we would call energy work um and so he started tapping into like the the idea that our thoughts can actually influence in that way and if we can focus our energy for instance it, in a particular way that that can also have an influence and so here he is after this incident uh, fully functional, no issues, did it, did it on his own. And so he, he went down the rabbit hole of like neuroscience and, you know, applied what he knew from chiropractic as well. And he's able to lay it out in this book to where it's like, look, like we all have habits and, you know, the habit of being ourselves is the number one thing because like it's us. And so he's able to break it down in a way that, you know, there's better context and understanding around like what's happening when we're having thoughts, what's happening on a physiological level when we think certain things, when we feel certain things and understanding that like the impact that our stories that we carry with us, like the impact that it has on our lives. And so, yeah, as I was going through that book, you know, he, he cites a couple different studies that were done that were magnificent, like really mind blowing. And it, it wasn't, and the cool thing was, is it's like, this isn't concrete stuff. Like this is being presented in a way that opens it up for us to actually start asking questions and asking better questions. And so he teaches this meditation practice, um, towards the end of the book that that's really amazing. And like, even just hearing some of the stories about people that have attended his like workshops, for instance. Um, and yeah, so like the, the impact that it had, like it got me to better understand like why I was doing what I was doing and it made so much more sense and it gave me, uh, it created a better opportunity for me to create that change. And so like something as simple as, as recognizing, you know, this concept that, you know, our body is trying to operate using the lowest amount of energy possible and it simply wants to survive. And so, you know, through that lens, you know, he talks about how, uh, like a chemical process, like if I think something and I feel a certain way, I'm going to create certain chemicals within my body. And then over time, as I continue to do that type of thing, instead of it being, I have the experience, I try to articulate it. And then I feel something it's the body goes like, Oh, I'm experiencing this thing. So as soon as I create these cells, I'm going to go ahead and attach the chemical to it because I'm so used to feeling this way. And so the body's able to do that using the least amount of energy possible. And so like that, for instance, like blew my mind. Cause I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm not doing this because this is how I actually feel. I'm doing this because my body's trying to operate using the lowest amount of energy possible. And so now I have context around it. I have awareness around it. I can now make a shift, a conscious shift of like, Oh yeah, I'm feeling that way right now. Cool. I can now have a different conversation with myself to shift out of that. So like even something that simple and he's able to really break it down uh, into these means where it is, it is easier to digest because he has some much heavier written stuff out there. That's like, Mm -hmm. it sounds great. It's very sciencey. And like, he really gets into the nuts and bolts of it. And it's like, I just needed something that was like we talked about earlier, practical, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll go back and, and better understand things in the future. 
But for me, it's the practical stuff that's like, how can I use something to make a noticeable change right now? And so like through, through that book, he was really, uh, really able to help me do that. And so, yeah, like those two books, such a huge impact. And like Lance was saying, the body keeps the score, like such a great, like very mind opening, uh, pieces of, of, of work. And like, it's stuff that we are using in, in our day to day, um, in our day to day practices, our day to day lives and our coaching our guiding, um, there's uh there's another thing it's called TRE. Uh some of your listeners might be familiar with it. It's called uh trauma release um exercises. And so part of uh part of the process to getting certified in that for instance is you you actually have to read the body keeps the score. And so like I we've gotten to practice that at some of these uh with some of these programs that we've been through and to witness that and to see that the shifts that people were having through a simple practice like that and like it really like landed home of like, Oh yeah. Like we are storing so much in our bodies. And if we can get that stuff to move, like the impact that, 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 that can have on us. So yeah, those I would say are the top three books that have really influenced. I know for me and, uh, and I know they've made an impact for Lance as well, but yeah, I would say those are the top three that come to mind in terms of like the work that we're doing. It's, it's pretty incredible how powerful your mind is, um, based on what you said and, and, how much of a difference it can make when you just simply, I don't know, kind of change the way that you think and the way that you approach mm-hmm. things. But uh, is, is there anything else in particular you guys want to touch on on, on your program specifically? Where did, did you hit the high points? You hit a lot of what you wanted to mention? I, yeah, we hit a lot of the high points. I'm sure there's a lot of depth. I have no doubt <laughs> yeah. about that. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the other <clears throat> thing that comes to mind for me in, in, in that question is, you know, we, we're talking a lot about mental health, cognitive fitness, stuff like that. Um, support is a huge part of the program. And so like, we definitely want, like okay. want to show up in that lens, right? So anybody who's dealing with anything, like obviously the, the carryover to peer support as we've already learned, for instance, right? Like that is there. And so that is a huge component of our program. And the other part of it too, is that, you know, this is a program to take people from surviving to thriving. And, and, uh, in that, like, you know, you don't have to be broken to, to benefit from this program. Like we, like what we've identified, you know, as, as a particular uh, group of people that works really well with is like just burnt out leaders in general. And so being in that, in the space of being a veteran or a first responder, um, we are looked at, we are looked at as leaders, right? Especially from, from pretty much most of the general public. Like you see someone in uniform, you automatically have this connotation about the type of person that this is. And so in my opinion, all veterans, all first responders, we're all leaders. And so you can be doing quite well, at least, you know, in your mind, be like, oh, I feel great. And I'm able to do all these things. And um, even if you're in that spot, like what we're doing is super beneficial because what, like I said, what we, what we also help with is like uncovering blind spots, right? Peeling back some of those layers. You know, and, and to put that into context, let's say, you know, someone really enjoys working, right? Like this, this is a common story is like, oh, I have to be a hard worker. I have to, you know, sacrifice myself, you know, for work. And so people wear that like a badge of honor. It's like, well, I'm doing good. I'm working like all these different days. I'm picking up overtime um, or whatever the case might be. And so in their minds, are like, this is great. And, and at the same time, they're not recognizing the impact that that's having on, let's say, their family or their body or uh, the workplace environment, right? Because they're showing up constantly tired or they're, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, you know, through that lens, you know, letting people know, like, you know, we want to 
help take people to the next level. And so like, yeah, you don't have to be broken to benefit from this program. I would say that some of the most impactful work that I've done with the stuff that we are doing and, and teaching to people has been through the lens of like, how can I use this to upgrade my life? Like, how can I use this to like take my life to the next level? And so I got out of the mindset of like, oh, I'm, I'm broken and I need to be fixed to, oh, I want to just show up you know, better in each day. I want to be more efficient, you know, in work. I want to be more connected to my, you know, friends and family members, you know, things like that. So like, those are all going to be byproducts of, uh, using tools like this and doing this type of work for sure. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. It sounds, it sounds like self-improvement. I mean, yep. just like you'd, you'd professionally develop or you go to school or you go to the gym. Um, you got to exercise your mind too. Yep. Um, instant. Lance, anything else on that? I got a, uh, I got two more questions for you when you okay uh, when, uh, both of you guys when you guys are done. Our goal for this is to become obsolete. We want to be out of a job. Uh, we right. encourage people to learn this stuff, turn around, and teach others. And that's the best. That's the best vision, best mission statement. Okay? I, I've heard a couple companies, and they're always the they're always the the better companies. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> When that's really embedded into uh, the fabric of what you do, I want to be out of business because I want to help people so much. Mm-hmm. I want to help every person on this earth, you know. But yeah. Sorry. Sorry. And uh, Brian Weeks is a prime example of that. He he learned this stuff and he turned around, uh, taught it to peer support. He's teaching it to his kids. He's teaching it to his wife. And that's perfect. This is what we want to hear. Um, mm-hmm. It's a horrible business model to be obsolete <laughs> in five years. And that's our goal. Yeah. He's well, living it. Yeah. yeah right. You know that you're not, you know, but um, unfortunately, in some cases, I, I heard. Um, are you guys familiar with Echelon Front by chance? I no, vaguely. I, uh, uh, Jocko Willink, Leif Babin, hmm. a, a handful of Navy SEAL guys. Um, they started this Echelon Front company, and it's a leadership consultancy company. And they say that um, exactly. They want to be out of business. They want, uh, um, you know, they want everybody to know these these pretty basic and simple leadership. Um, practices, you know, you could use them in your life, use them with your wife, your kids at work or whatever. And it really um, can create a paradigm shift in your life. But uh, anyways, they mentioned the same thing, but it, this, it, in the same breath, you mentioned, you know, it, it's very complicated stuff. And I know that we won't be out of business, but I hope that we are. But so yep. um, uh, same with mental health, I would imagine, you know, very, very complicated stuff. Um, so yeah, the last couple questions I wanted, the first one is, so if somebody can't join your class, maybe it starts in a few months, maybe they can't get in contact with, with you for a little while, what can people do now? And, and I think you provided a lot of, um, advice for that. Um, is, is there anything people could do now, anywhere they can reach out to anything, a- any advice on that? Besides reaching out. So reaching out, go to the risingwarrior.com, go to the contact page, go down, write a note, say hi, reach out. Um, what they can do if they can't get in the class or whatever. Um, two things. Recognize your breathing and breathe nice and, nice and slow and write shit down. Get that journal and just start writing. Um, initially, it's going to be a little clunky and it doesn't matter. Start writing shit down. Low-hanging yep. fruit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, get a journal. Um pay attention to your breathing, right? Like really simple, uh, thing that we like to teach people is one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly, right? As I breathe, I want to breathe into my belly, 
right? Especially, especially for most people who, if they've not gone down the rabbit hole of proper breathing mechanics, like that's the simplest thing that they can do is start to recognize, cool, am I breathing into my belly or am I breathing up into my chest? And that's through the lens of, uh, you know, what Lance was talking about earlier. Uh, but to expand upon that real quick is that every time we breathe into our chest, we have all these little muscles um, up here, rib cage, up into our collarbone, up into our neck. And as we breathe into it, it does allow us to expand a little bit more to get more air in. But what it also does is it's signaling to the body that we're in fight or flight. And so we typically want to do that if we need it. So, you know, modern day, that's going to look like fitness or if you're playing sports, for instance, um, or yeah, like you're out on a hike and all of a sudden you see a bear or, well, you don't want to run from a bear, but, um, right. You're, you're fighting for your life. And so obviously in the first responder world, in the military world, like we're, we're well aware of what that can look like. And so it's okay to do that when you need it. And the reality of it is the majority of the time we don't need that. So breathing, breathe into the belly, um, because the, like if your body's in fight or flight, everything throughout the day is going to be affected. If I can take some conscious time and it could literally just be five breaths in the morning at night before you go to bed five deep breaths into the belly and then go about your day, um, get a journal. And then, uh, the other thing that I would recommend is finding someone, right? If you can't get a hold of us for whatever reason, find someone that you feel safe enough with to be able to go and at least talk to, right? The more that we hold stuff in, the more that it's right here in front of our face, we only have our own context in order to, to manage that. And so if, if we're only with ourselves, what we're guaranteeing is the same results. So if you can't get a hold of us, go find someone else that you at least feel safe enough to, to express something to, uh, because it, it's going to move a lot, a lot of that, and it's going to create space for things to actually, or it's going to create the space so you can start to breathe, you know, more appropriately. And with that space, you start to see things more clearly, right? Because if something's right in front of our face and like we're in it, we're overwhelmed. The story's just on repeat. Like it's hard to see anything beyond my hand. But as I create that space, and so through breathing, through journaling, through finding someone if you need to to talk that out, all of a sudden I create that space. So it's like, here's my problem. But now I see everything else that's going on as well. And so like the impact that that can have is is super, super important. And um, it's also through the lens of you may see a, a noticeable difference immediately. Like we, we've worked with people where we got them to take a few breaths and all of a sudden they went from complete overwhelm to, oh, wait a minute, I can think clearly again. Like what just happened, right? It, it can happen. And at the same time, it might just be a subtle shift. And it's actually those subtle shifts that I find to be more important because those are the things that add up to make this a habit. And then once they add up to be a habit, all of a sudden it's, oh, these things are just happening. Like I look back still uh, over my journey and I, especially when it comes to the breathing, I look back on, on when I really made the shift to do, to do some more conscious breathing in that sense. And I noticed how much my life had changed and I just didn't realize it. Right. And that started with how I felt in the morning to how I felt before going to bed, my sleep quality, my eating patterns, you know, my ability to do fitness stuff. Like I, as I started to track that, I was able to directly link that to like, Oh, this is when I started to breathe better. And so like the impact that that has throughout the day is so important. This is why it's the first thing that we teach. So yeah, those, those would be, you know, three of the biggest things that I see, um, you know, is people being able to, to do stuff. And then like, there's so like books, podcasts, like anything in the, in the self-development world, I'm a big fan of. And, um, you know, along those lines, like, yeah, obviously reach out to us, like with any questions or comments or anything like that. 
Yeah, I'd like to reiterate, if uh, shit is hitting the fan for you, reach out. If you need some, but that's not connected to any organization that you're a part of, and so on and so forth, reach out. Reach out through email, reach out through Instagram, reach out for, through Facebook. We will respond. We will talk. We will take the time. Um, reach out. Have you guys heard of box breathing? A chance yep. offhand? Okay. Yeah. Sound, I, I do that myself sometimes, but it uh, sounds... It's a, it's for those of you who don't know what is it? It's a second inhale, hold it for a second or four seconds. I want to say it is mm-hmm. exhale for four seconds and then pause for four seconds. So, mm-hmm. anyways, yep. um, the last question I had is, how how do people join? How do people sign up for the course? So you mentioned Facebook, Instagram, a website. Uh, where can they go? And when's your next one? Um, reach out. We want to talk to you. Make sure. this program isn't for the faint of heart. Like we're going to go through some stuff. We're going to dig up some shit. Um, We don't want anybody that's willy nilly. We want somebody that's committed. So we want to talk to you beforehand. We want to make sure you're, you're invested in this. So we want to talk to you. So reach out either through the website, the rising warrior.com Instagram, the rising warrior, um, or the Facebook, the rising warrior. Um, (laughs) Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Um, next program, if I remember correctly, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, November 8th. Yeah. The um, week of the 8th is when we're going to be launching our, our next, our next group. So yeah, Absolutely. if you're interested, reach out, we want to talk to you and we'll take it from there. Yep. And then our, our, I would say our personal Instagram as well. Mine's at Sean underscore Lazio. Um, Lance, yours is. Dr. Lance Davis. I no, am Dr. I, Lance I, Davis. I think it's I am Lance Davis. Just yeah. Google me and look for a long-haired guy. You'll find me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So you can reach out to us personally uh, at the Rising Warrior on on social media. There there is a dot. So the dot rising dot warrior. You know, especially for Instagram, just in case you're having troubles uh, finding it. Um, yeah. Reach out to us personally, and then yeah, the we we want to talk to people that that want to go through this program, and that is one thing that we have found over our years of of doing this work ourselves is that like I'll g- I can give you all the free information, like I could literally give you the outline of our program and understand that it, it it's it's only going to get you so far because if you're not committed to actually doing the work then it, it's you're going to see those types of results. And so what we want for people is we want them to see the results that they want. And so, um, yeah, making sure that timing's right, that they're in a good place for it, um, and you know, just gathering a little bit more about themselves because as much as we want to be able to support everybody, especially in these communities, um, we found that, yeah, it's, it's only effective if, if the people are actually showing up for themselves. And that I would say that's probably the number one thing that, that we like to teach people is like how to show up for themselves. So, um, yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that, um, and, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, reach out, obviously if, if, if something's weighing on you, like, or, or, uh, a phone call away or a text message away or an email away, like to having that conversation. And the other part I want to mention too, is that if you're just legitimately curious about anything that we're talking about, like you may, like I said, you might feel as if you're in a solid spot and, and chances are that you are. But I know for me, as I was going through a lot of this too, like I was just simply curious. Like I started hearing about these different concepts and techniques. And it's like, you know, it's for me, it started with fitness. And then next thing you know, I'm doing this language and fitness like course. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There's like, there's more going on here. So even if you're just curious, 
like that is all like I love talking to people who are curious. So Sean will talk your ear off. <laughs> they, they, they call me the white rabbit because I like to go down rabbit holes. So it's super fun. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, that may be just curious. You know, yep. Um, yep. I'm certainly a guy that that uh, is typically curious about things before I kind of dive dive in. I want to read about it or talk to somebody about it beforehand. But uh, well, I really appreciate you gentlemen joining. I mean, it was uh, pretty eye opening stuff. Uh, you shared a lot, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we did have a conversation. Um, so, is, is there anything else that you guys would like to, to mention before we wrap it up? I'm good. Uh, <laughs> uh, as, far, as far as the program, like we, we've talked enough. Uh, I just want to let people out there know, like, <clears throat> no matter what you're experiencing, like you got this and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy to support. We're, we're making ourselves available. This is something that really we are passionate about. And yeah, so if there's any curiosity, any need for support, or if you know other people that you're like, man, I think they would benefit from us, please get them in touch with us or at least send them our way in terms of social media. Um, I know I post a lot of stuff on my personal account that's just about a lot of these different concepts and how it applies. And then, um, yeah, like we love talking to people about this stuff. So yeah, just wanted to reiterate that. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more commentary, articles, and episodes just like this regularly posted to our website, firedog.us. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast and on Instagram at the Fire Dog Podcast. That is the Fire D-A-W-G Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, stay plugged into every new episode, and please share this podcast and episode with your friends and coworkers, either on social media or at the firehouse. This is Matt Wilson with guests Lance Davis and Sean Lazio. Until next time, stay safe.